welcome to our Victory Outreach Chino podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. If you guys could grab your pamphlets or the handouts. Hallelujah. Pastor, thank you for this opportunity. It's a privilege and an honor. It's quite nerve-wracking when you have the author of the book sitting in front of you and you're going to be referencing what he wrote. So, um, Pastor, thank you so much for believing in me and for entrusting me with tonight. Um, I'm grateful for God's uh, saving power. Um, Thirty years ago, about this time, my life was a mess. My daughter's mom was five, almost six months pregnant. I was out of the picture. The decisions that I had been making were messing my life up. Burned a lot of bridges, burned a lot of people, made a lot of bad decisions, and was stacking enemies by the moment. And I remember just thinking to myself, man, my life has to change. Something has to take place. And on March 25th, someone invited me to a Bible study. And a few weeks later, someone invited me to Victory Outreach. And a few months later, I went, it was August 1993, I, we went to the Pomona Fairgrounds to a world conference. I had no idea what a world conference meant. Then there was a youth breakout, and I was so excited to go to this youth breakout because I just knew I needed to fit in somewhere. And I remember when, when Pastor preached that message, when he got up and he began to, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, and, and I understood what the X generation was. I understood that term. I understood it because it was like what, what uh, Gonzalo was saying. It was a label that was placed on my generation. We had no identity. We were searching and so hear this message that, that he said, we're not the X and we're not the next. He said, but we're the now generation. He said, we are God's anointed now generation. And I remember, the, I remember Pastor walking back and forth across the pulpit. He said, God's anointed now generation. And he said, okay, this section's God's anointed now. And, and by the time that service was over, we were running around the altar, running around, dancing. There was revival, those songs, right? Uh, uh, when I think of the Lord and what he's done for me, right? And, and all that, the, the, the energy that filled the room, but it was because there was a generation that was, that was shaking off the labels, and they were finding their identity, finding their purpose in Jesus Christ. Amen? <laughs> Pastor, I'm, I'm grateful that, that you spent that time in Amsterdam, that you went and separated, and, and we're going to get into this in a moment, but understanding this, that whatever God calls you to, there's people that are attached to the call and purpose of God on your life. People are going to follow you. You might say, well, I'm not a leader. I, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. But you are indeed a person that God has called to influence and to impact people all around the world. If you're in this room, it's because God has a purpose for you. Amen? 
Right there in, in, in the notes, it says the, the first scripture, and Sister Kim shared the, the scripture of Jeremiah 29, 11, but I want to kind of back up here and, and go with uh, before, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. The message uh, translation reads like this. It says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. You know, the, uh, the, Mark Twain says this. He says, two, the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. See, discovering our purpose requires us to go back to the beginning Sometimes we struggle with the fact that we were actually not a mistake. I'm going to let that resonate because you are not a mistake. I've heard of parents look at their kids and tell them, you were a mistake. You should have never been born. I should have aborted you. I should have never had you. I should have given you up for adoption. But I cancel that assignment of the enemy that has been placed on your life. You are not an accident. You are God's on purpose, right? No matter what the circumstances were, when you were conceived, God knew exactly what was taking place. I believe that in eternity he was watching. He was staring. He was there. He was ready to accept you. He was ready to impart. Right? The Bible says it. Before you even saw the light of the day, he had holy plans for you. Regardless of what any human being has ever declared over your life, God declares that you were on purpose. You were born with a purpose, for a purpose, and there's a divine hand of purpose on your life tonight. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering. Complexes can cloud our mind so we're unable to focus on where or what God has called us to. Sometimes we're, we're so caught up on the fact that we were born on the wrong side of the tracks or my mom wasn't married, my, my, my dad was abusive, my, my parents were alcoholics, my, my loved ones neglected me, I was abused as a child. All the different things that took place in your life as a child, they, they hide in the shadows of your life to haunt you so that every time you want to step out for God, this reminder of where you came from says, oh, oh wait on, hold a minute it you can't do that because of this but all those things are simply clouds those are those are tactics and strategies of the enemy to to prevent you from fulfilling what God has planned for your life Jeremiah 29 11 says this he says for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future God was talking to a group of people that were in exile, but he was telling them, I have plans for you. I know where you're at right now, and, and maybe, yes, you were born on the wrong side of the tracks. Yes, maybe you were bro born in a broken home, and, and maybe your parents didn't have all the, all the money that they needed to raise you, or maybe you weren't even raised by your parents. Maybe the system raised you. Maybe you were institutionalizing. You went from foster home to juvenile halls to the prison system, but nonetheless, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. I have plans to prosper you. I have plans to give you a future and a hope, not of calamity or despair. Yeah. 
See, it's not where you start, it's where you end. See, in the book, Pastor, when, when, and that was perfect that he shared that, that, that text message that he got from Sister Diane. Because it was in that moment when he, when he got saved, he said, okay, what do I do now? And the first thing that Pastor did is he went to his dad and he says, where do I get involved? Where, where do I plug into the church? What do I need to do? What's my next step? And I put here in the notes, is you got to ask your leaders for direction. If you're going to be a part of this ministry, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a fantastic idea that you get a leader. You, you find someone that you, can, that you can follow, someone that you can plug in with, someone that you can say, hey, uh, I'm going to tell you everything about me, warts and all. But I need you to love me. I need you to direct me. Can I get, can I get an amen from the Victory Homes? Come on, warts and all. Can I get an amen? And he went to his dad, and, and, and he, as, as a father, but I believe also as his pastor, he said, where do I go from here? Right, and his dad gives him instructions, tells him to get plugged into the choir, right? So he does so, right, enthusiastically. He gets all excited, right? A couple of events unfold, right? And, and then one day, I think you said you were going to group, a, a, to Bible study, and, and Sean was in the car, right, working on that Lionel Richie classic. Come on, somebody, all night long, right? That's the song, right? I don't know how to sing, but so I, I can't back you up. But now... They, they get in the car, right, the three of them. It was him and another friend and, and, and Sean, and they're rewriting the lyrics to this Lionel Richie song. I know the gang has no clue. The third wave has no clue who Lionel Richie is, right? Okay, we got one person, one person. And as they're rewriting it, right, they get excited. They perform the song. It's such a hit. Pastor Sonny Sr. hears about it, and he says, hey, you guys are going to perform it at church, right? And so as they're... They're getting ready. They're excited, right? Pastor's all fired up, gave his life to Jesus, right? Doing what his, his pastor told him to do, right? He's a part of the choir. He's stepping out in his gifts, right? He's, he's connected with, a, with, with somebody that's of, of kindred spirit, right? And, and at sound check, after sound check is done, he says the, in the book, anybody read the book yet? Yeah, you got it, right? It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a coffee holder, or was that the, right, where you put your This book... This book is revolutionary. I told Pastor when I started reading this book, I couldn't stop crying. Because as I read it, and he was giving, and he was, he was paying homage to the, to the elders and to the pioneer generation, I was broken. Because to think that those men and women gave up and laid down and sacrificed for someone like me. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't deserve such a good ministry like this. I, I didn't deserve for people to trust me. I, I didn't deserve to be able to, to be entrusted with such a great anointing and such a great privilege. I, I didn't earn the, the, the opportunity to be a part of this ministry, right? My real good friend over there, I, I tell him all the time, I was low down, dirty, right? Couldn't be trusted. He knows because he was right next to me. Come on, somebody, right? But I thank God that this ministry made room for me. Not only made room for me, but they made me family, 
right? This is a place that you can call home. We are a people. I'm that, man, if you want to call me that crazy brother, it's okay. Call me your crazy brother. You want to call me your crazy uncle? You can call me your crazy uncle. Just don't, just don't call me outside my name, amen? But God has been faithful to our ministry. And so, so as he, going back to pastor's story, as he's walking down, this woman approaches him. If you're reading the book, right? Right, gets in his face, says some choice words. And I, this is just me, because we have those type of people. She probably felt anointed and called of God to do so. Right? She, she just had that self-righteousness, that different spirit. And she said, oh, I'm going to fix this kid. Right? Not knowing, the, not knowing the vessel that God had called him to be. Right? And so he's stepping out in what God has called him to do, and he faces opposition right head right head on. Right? Talk about discouragement. Man, that could have that could have been his final performance. Right? I, I mean, if somebody came up and told me that, that's the I that's the devil himself. Right? Trying to discourage. Talk about discouragement, but yet what he did was he he faced it. He went into the office, right? You talked to your dad, right? His dad said, toughen up, right? You got to get thick skin. Get back out there. He, he probably tried to continue to convince his dad, but his dad wasn't hearing it, right? But he said, okay, I get it. You're not listening because I just need to toughen up and, and get out there and do what I've been called to do. He gets out there, does what God has called him to do, and he feels the power of God. But see... It's opposition isn't always a sign of something wrong. Especially if you're doing what your leader suggested you should step out in. Sometimes opposition is in fact the enemy trying to get you discouraged from doing what God has called you to do. See, if it's getting tough, ask your leader for help. If you're facing some rough patches, talk to your leader. Say, man, you know what? Here's what's going on. You said you would love me warts and all. Well, guess what? Some warts are here, and I need your help. And as leaders, we should be able to encourage the people that God has entrusted us to under shepherd. Right? Those people that God has entrusted us, those are sheep that have been trusted to these shepherds right here. And our job is simply to under-shepherd them, to love them and encourage them. So, okay, they hit some rough patches. I don't know. Did anybody else hit any rough patches coming up? Did anybody else have any setbacks as God was raising them up? I did, right? I wasn't perfect, right? The, I tell the guys all the time, man, good God Almighty, I was not perfect. I was very hard-headed. I think I still am sometimes. Don't ask my wife. Had a short temper, right? Very, very just sharp, just short with people, right? But, man, thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for gracious pastors. Thank God for, right, leaders that will love on you and walk with you and encourage you. So what's been done for you, do to others. Revelations 12.10 tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The shoe fits, wear it. Because if you're accusing someone, right, if you're accusing someone, you got to really think about this. Is the enemy using you? And so that you, you have to ask yourself, is the enemy using me? I believe that, that that lady was sent by the enemy. 
She was under the impression she was sent by God, the wrong God. Not the God of heaven, but the God of this world. Right? She tried to discourage our pastor from doing what God had called him to do. See, people with good intentions, and that's probably what she was, people with good intentions could possibly be used by the enemy to discourage you. Or it's a possibility we just have interesting people that live in this world nowadays. Any Karens in the building? You see all these videos of Karens, right? Those people somewhere in their mind think that they're doing a service to the world. We might have some spiritual Karens that they feel that they're doing God a service in the house of God. Let's move on. We have to ask ourselves, is what this individual is saying, is it building me up or is it tearing me down? If they're building you up, then take it with a grain of salt. And I would encourage you to take it to prayer. Take it to prayer and ask God, God, what is it that, that, that this individual sharing with me? Why did it hit me like that? What is it that you're trying to do in me that's trying to provoke me, just trying to build me? What are you trying to do? And I thank God. I remember when I first got to this church that Pastor Henrik, and you mentioned him in the book, I, I sat underneath him. And, I, and the first thing I told him when we became a part of the, the prayer was I said, don't ask me to preach. Don't ask me to do any pulpit work. Don't ask me to grab the mic. I, I'll set mics up for you. I'll stack chairs. I'll turn on lights. I'll work the sound. I'll open the door. I'll do everything and anything but anything on the pulpit. And he said, no, no, brother, you're going to. And I said, no, 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 no. Nope, not going to do it. He would ask me from time to time, come on, brother. You're gonna... No, I, pastor, I love you, but my job is to make you shine. I don't want no pulpit. And I remember him praying for me at times. And one of the first prayers he, he prayed for me, he laid hands on me at an altar call. And he said, Lord, teach him to trust again. I had been in ministry for over, I think, 11 years at that time. Teach him to trust again. And, man, it bothered me. I was like, oh, man, who does this guy think he is? But then I begin to pray, God, what it, what, how much truth is to, to what he's saying right now? He said, son, you don't, those, the Holy Spirit said, son, you don't trust nobody. He said, look at your heart. Then he prayed, God, teach him to love again. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's a couple weeks later, and I got even more angrier. Then he said, Lord, teach him to, he said, Lord, teach him to, to serve his pastor the way he served his first pastor. Whew. Talk about being offended. I said, I love that man. What are you talking about? I have, I have love. And I, in my, I'm there, and I'm at the altar. I'm like, I love this man. And the Lord showed me. He said, no. He said, you love him at a distance. You love him with your words, but are you willing to do what you did before? And I remember the Lord dealing with me, and I, I said, man, God, I had to repent, Pastor. I had to repent because at a distance, I could say I loved him. At a distance, I could say so many things, but, right, many are the men who declare their faithfulness, right? But who can really indeed find a faithful man? Let's move on. As a believer, you have to have thick skin and a tender heart. And the key is, and this is from the book, the key is not to let the warfare corrupt your heart. 
Pastor could have let, let a seed of corruption creep into his heart when that woman did what she did, but he didn't. Because in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If he would have let that simple seed germinate within his heart, he, it, would have, it would have caused him to veer off from God's call and purpose for his life. He could have shut down. He could have reverted to who he was prior to his salvation. Like he said, he was shy, right? He was very, very introvert. So he could have said, no, 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 well, that's not for me because I faced opposition. Let me shrink back. But it's when opposition comes that you guard your heart, you listen to the voice, and you say, okay, is this the voice of the enemy, or is this the voice of God? See, our adversary, the devil, this is also from the book, uses offenses and criticism to make our love for one another grow cold. If we're, gonna, if we're going to become good at loving, we must practice habitual forgiveness like Jesus spoke of in Matthew 18, 21 through 23. Story goes that Peter walks over to Jesus and Jesus, he says, Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times 70? Or no, he says, uh, seven times seven? Jesus said, nope. He says, seven times 70. And sometimes we miss it. We're like, okay, so that's what, 490? But according to Jewish law, the forgiveness had to be for the same offense for the same day. So if you stepped on my shoe 490 times in one day, first of all, you shouldn't be on your feet, right? But if you, if you repeatedly did it, you had to do it 490 times in one day before I can actually, according to the law, slap you. So Peter was probably fed up with someone in the group, and he was asking because he was ready, right? Jesus said seven times 70. Shook his, it shook his world. But what Pastor was saying in the book is if we want to continue to, to cultivate love inside of our heart, we have to continually release forgiveness. Is that a challenge? Yes. Right? Alexander Pope said, to err is human, but to forgive is divine. I believe, I, this is just my personal belief, that it takes divine intervention for God to teach you how to forgive. Because by nature, we don't want to forgive. We want to judge. We want wrath. Right? Sons of thunder. Right? Should we pray, Lord, that you, right? Strike them down, Lord. But that's human nature. We want revenge. But Jesus said, forgive seven times 70, meaning that we have to continually walk in forgiveness. Peter was asking, right, talks about that. In ministry, we must be intentional with making sure to release forgiveness and keep loving people. Jesus, Jesus was basically saying that as many times as it takes, you got to keep forgiving. But I, I made a little note to myself. Exception. Exception. If you have toxic people in your life, it's not okay to put up with toxic, toxicity. Is that, a, is that a word, Pastor? Toxicity? Sometimes we figure, hey, we have to live with them. No. You have to set boundaries for yourself. There's, there's safety. There's boundaries. You have to be able to set those limits to say, well, enough is enough. I'm sorry. 
If we want to continue in this relationship, we want to continue moving forward, then I need to draw these lines for the betterment of both of us. Because this is where the, tox the toxicity, it ends. I choose to be on this side of it. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Philippians 3, 13 and 15. Paul talks about, I, I, he says, not having achieved it, but I, I press towards the mark. Right? And here's the three points that are in the book. Is pressing. Right? He says, I, I press forward to lay hold of, of, of that for which I was laid hold of myself. Right? There was a reason why Jesus laid hold of Paul the Apostle. There's a reason why Jesus reached into the muck and the mire. There's a reason why God rescued you from your situation. There's a reason why God stepped into your darkness and was, was willing to go that extra mile to chase you when you were running from him, to pull you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. There's a reason why he attained you. There's a reason why he arrested you. What is that purpose? What is that reason? What is it that God has called you for? Right? In ministry, oh, I'm sorry. So press, we need to run to win, compete to win. Because as, as kids, did anybody ever just dream of participating? Right? Nowadays, everybody gets a trophy for participation. Right? You're, you're, raised, you're raising individuals that will eventually be entitled. Fight. He says fight. Fight for the belt. Right? Who gets in the ring and thinks, right? X, does anybody get in the ring and says, man, I hope I just don't get hit that bad. Fight for the belt. Fight to win. Right? Press in to run the waist to, to win. Finish. Leave it all on the mat. My coach used to always say, leave it all on the mat. Don't walk away with regrets. Right, Paul, in, in, in 2 Timothy, in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I fought the fight. I finished the race. Man, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I've done everything that God has called me to do. I went over and above. I faced every trial. I, I went through everything. I have finished the race. I've completed the task. And then we would all get to the ends of our lives and be able to say, God, I did everything you asked of me, and I'm ready to go home. See, in Pastor's story of the flight, of the flight lessons... Correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor. You quit because you didn't want to say the wrong thing. He, he didn't want to mess anything up. So he said, you know what? Before I mess it up, I'm going to go ahead and quit. But he was clever because he said, hey, right, baseball season's about to start. I can't go. I'm going to be over there. And, and he was able to make that exit. But the fear of making a mistake, the fear of failure. And I put this in the notes. I believe in this day and age that there are people that are afraid of making mistakes. Social media has trained us to be fearful of making mistakes. But any successful person, business people will tell you that failure is inevitable if you want to succeed. The key is, and Pastor mentioned it at the leadership on, on Monday, is failing forward. You know what? It's, it's, it's failing forward, knowing that, hey, I'm going to make some mistakes along the way. But if you got good leadership, you got people that are on the side of you, good peers and good followers, then trust me, we're all going to make it to heaven. And God is going to get the victory. Can I get an amen? So right there at your table, if we could just talk about, let me, let me just ask you this. What are some areas that God is prompting you to get involved in? So you walk into this beautiful church, beautiful building. What are some things that God is prompting you 
to get involved. And just we're going to take a few minutes right there in your in your chair. See, Pastor was encouraged to get involved in the choir. What has God been encouraging you or prompting you to get involved in? Just take a few moments and let's just talk about it real quickly. So next, we we in the book. There's a, there's a story of where pastor's now saved. He's at a, at a service. And in this service, Nikki Cruz starts to, he makes an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, right now when you were in your groups, you were talking about things that God has placed on your heart uh, of what you want to do inside of the church. But, but what stops us sometimes is, is fear, intimidation. Well, I don't know how to do that, right? Or what are people going to say? Oh, my God, what are people going to think, right? My wife has this joke, right? You guys remember Carrie? They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. You guys guys watch scary movies. But sometimes that fear of doing what God has called it, because there's that little thing, right? There's that little void, that little thing in your gut tells you this is what you should be doing, and you get sweaty palms, right, butterflies in your stomach, cotton mouth. No, not when you're talking to that individual. When you're supposed to do what God has called you to do, can I get a witness? Well, in that meeting, Nikki Cruz was talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, and Pastor wanted to be filled with that power. And so he leaned over to his mom and he asked, Do you think Nikki can pray for me? He went to the altar and he thought it was going to be a private side note, but what Nikki did was he, he said, Everybody, we're going to pray for Sunday Boy. Right? He got the congregation involved and he said, We're going to pray for him. And he said he lifted up his hands and he began, boom, he, get, he got baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we, we, have, to, we have to ask God to, to fill us, right? Acts 1.8, Jesus said that, that, when, that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be filled with what? There you go, Reyes, right? You will be filled with not Edison power, Holy Ghost power. And that Holy Ghost power is what's going to empower you to do what God has called you to do, right? So ask the Lord to fill you. See, as, as, as Pastor made this shift in his life, he's filled with the Spirit. Now it's, it's, a, it's a letting go of something precious. It's a new dream, right? His pursuit of baseball, right, and the call of God on his life. It's great for you to ask for direction from your leadership, but a great leader will point you to Jesus and tell you to ask him for his will for your life. In 1 Samuel, the story talks about how Samuel kept hearing his name being called. But his leader finally figured out and said, wait a minute, God's calling you. God's calling you. Next time you hear your voice being called, he said, speak. He says, say this to the Lord. Lord, speak for your servant is listening. You have to position yourself in a situation where you can hear what God is trying to tell you. Pastor separated himself at the direction of his father slash pastor. Went to Amsterdam, right? He plugged into the prayer team there. He plugged into the street evangelism. He just mentioned it. He fasted. He prayed, right? And and pastor, thank you for saying that, right? Fasting isn't just, right, uh, social media. I'm skipping social media, right? When I share that story, it's because the lady that I was talking about medically couldn't not eat, medically speaking, so it's so fast is to separate and say, man, if you got to go water, that's, that's, that's pretty hardcore, right? But it, if you need a Daniel fast, if you need to uh, fast a couple of meals to work yourself into it, I would challenge you in the name of Jesus, right, to fast that way. Social media, that's good. You can start there. But don't let, don't let that be your place where you camp out and you, and you call forever, amen? So as pastors separated, God gave them Habakkuk chapter 2, 
verse uh, 2 through 4, right? And that's exactly what he did. He wrote down the vision that God was giving him, right? He, he talked about the, the gang, the birthing of the gang. He saw the vision of him and his brother on the platform. And at the time, Pastor Tim was nowhere near being saved. But he saw a vision, fasting, praying, separating, getting around other individuals that were, that were going to encourage that. He, as he separated, he saw visions, Right? And it wasn't until years later that one day he, he looked over and there his brother was on the platform, right? And I think it was when they were doing the, 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 the revivals, right? The, the, the cry of the, oh, the, yeah, that's right. At a state. And so it was, it was now coming to pass, but it was something that God gave him as he separated, right? And so I want to encourage you, maybe you can't go to Amsterdam. Maybe you, you, you can't get away from Texas or you can't leave your city or you can't leave your house. I would encourage you, man, find a place in your, in where you're able to separate and say, man, God, I need to get a hold of you. I need to hear your voice and clarity for your purpose and plan for my life. Because remember this, the vision and the purpose that God has for you, it includes others that will follow behind you. Right? So next, table talk. What do you feel that God has called you to do personally? For some of you, you might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I'm, I'm not you know, a world-renowned leader. But, but God has called you to be a good father. God's called you to be a good mother. Right? Brother Gilbert was talking about being a good business owner. Right? Being a, a star employee, a great neighbor. Right? You, some of you guys got to stop being Karens and start, being, start caring about your neighborhood. And right there at your table, here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to talk to each other. What has God called you to do personally? But along with that is where do you think that you could start serving here inside of this church? Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray these messages build, encourage, and strengthen you in your faith. If you would like to partner with us, the Mother Church is a great place to sow a seed. So head on over to our website at viochino.org and click the giving link located at the top of the page. Also, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a praise report, prayer request, or if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know by filling out the salvation card. We would love to connect with you and help you get started on your journey of serving God here at Victory Outreach Chino.